Well, good morning, Moraine, and our guests. So good to see you, and I need to say it again. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Thank you for your love and attention to those who the Lord has placed in your care. And if I could, I want to also uh, honor women, just because there are some women who are disappointed on a day like today, who have heartache, whose longings, longings have not been fulfilled for children. So I want to honor mothers and all women who have a, a longing and a desire that hasn't been fulfilled. Jesus is in the silence. He's in your confusing mysteries. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep clinging to him. And just before I pray, I'd like to um, pray as well for our dear Pastor Clem, who was uh, taken to the hospital with stomach issues. That's all we know right now. So please be in prayer for him today and in the days coming. Uh, so before we head for our passage of Scripture in Mark 5, let's, uh, let's open up in prayer. I want to praise you, Lord Jesus, that you are indeed our healer. You heal today. You heal today, Lord. I want to thank you that there's different areas of healing. We need healing in our emotional life, healing of our woundedness, healing in our mind and our will. Lord, you are our healer. And we surrender to you this morning all of who we are to all of who you are. We love you, Lord Jesus. Teach us to love you more. In your name we pray, amen. So would you read with me Mark chapter five? We're gonna have it up in a minute. Mark chapter five, verse 21 through 34. I invite you to, to, to share out loud as well. Would you read? When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and on seeing him, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, 
turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I'm grateful we could read the word of God together. Has anyone ever listened to you as if you were the only one in the room? So in Mark chapter 5 and other parts of Mark, we're going to see large crowds. These crowds were pressing around Jesus. These crowds were like multitudes. These crowds were like a mob. And there were so many pressing around Jesus. You would be jostled back and forth. You could hardly walk. There were so many people with so many kinds of hearts in that crowd. Some were inquisitive. Some were needing healing. Some were uh, angry wanting to catch Jesus and accuse him, so many hearts in the crowd. And in that crowd, we have a synagogue official named Jairus. Now listen, he was a synagogue official. He's a big deal. He was a leader of a local synagogue, and he saw Jesus. But truly, he saw Jesus with more than human eyes. He saw Jesus as greater than a man. So when he saw Jesus, he didn't come up to Jesus to talk about leadership principles. He didn't come up to Jesus to talk about the rules and regulations of a synagogue. He didn't come up to Jesus to say, you have six days and should not heal on the Sabbath. He didn't come up to Jesus with any of that. He's a man, a local official. But when he came up in the presence of Jesus, he fell down. He was helpless and hopeless and pleading with Jesus because his little girl, 12 years old, just 12 years old, was dying. So this synagogue man falling on the ground, prostrate with his face to the ground, pleading and imploring Jesus. He forgot about being an official. He forgot about being a big deal. He was an Abba, a father, a papa, a daddy. He had the greatest burden of his heart. My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. That was his heart. The greatest burden of his life, everything else put aside. Please come and lay your hands on her. He knew 
that Jesus was more than a man. So in this pressing crowd, the crowd all around Jesus, he turns and begins to go with this Papa, this Abba, this Father who had a burden. Jesus intensely searches for the one, the one in the crowd, the one in the room. His eyes are always focused intensely on the one. So Jesus stops for the one. He listens to the one. He responds to the one with compassion and mercy. Jesus searches for the one. And then there was a woman, since we're talking about crowds. There was a woman on a personal journey. She was on a journey of affliction and hopelessness and heartache and isolation. She was on a journey of shame. And here's her life account. She had a hemorrhage, a flow of blood. Can you imagine? Put yourself in the passage. A flow of, I guess only the women can put themselves in the passage. (laughs) She had a flow of blood that was constant, that was chronic for 12 years. It would not stop. So she went to many doctors. She went to many physicians. She wanted to live. She wanted to have hope. She gave them all the money that she had. But guess what? She didn't get any better. In fact, she grew worse. And this was her uh, religious laws that she had to follow as well. In Leviticus 15, verse 25, the, the laws that she had to follow said this. Now, if a woman has a discharge of her blood many days, not at the period of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond that period, all the days of her impure discharge, she shall continue as though in her menstrual impurity. She is unclean as many days, as many weeks, as many years that she had that flow of blood. She was considered impure and unclean. Can you imagine her journey of shame from her culture, from her religious community? You are unclean. She'd have to walk in that. You are filthy, you are dirty, you are unwelcome here. Don't touch us. Because if she touched someone, they would then become unclean as well. We reject you. You are not welcome here with us. So just think about her isolation and her rejection and her loneliness and the lack of people around her. And think about how she went from doctor to doctor. Hope to hope to hope fail. We reject you. So she was living a life of isolation, a life of shame. Shame. 
There's something wrong with me. Shame. I'm not as good as another person. Shame. I am a bad person. Shame. Consider her walking through her days of shame for all of these 12 years. Who could understand her? Who could know her? Who could listen to this woman's walk and talk and loneliness in the area of her life? But in the midst of her hopelessness, in the midst of her journey, in the midst of her shame, her gaze was turned and her hope was stirred because she heard reports. She heard people reporting what they had seen and heard about Jesus. She heard in the midst of her hopelessness that there's a Jesus and he's more than a man. He's more than a carpenter. He's more than a rabbi. He's more than a teacher. He speaks words that are not even of this world. We've never heard of anything like this before. He speaks with authority, not as described. He speaks words that sound like they're from another world. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. What kind of words are those? He's calling himself the resurrection. He's calling himself the life. We've never heard of anything like this before. These were the reports that she was beginning to hear that surrounded her journey of affliction. He's more than a man. Jesus healed the sick, she heard, and he heals those with diseases. He opens the eyes of the blind, blind people from birth. We've never seen this before. He opens their eyes, and I saw, I saw Jesus raise a dead man up from his tomb for all to see. Can you imagine all of the reports about Jesus that she was beginning to hear that was coming through her journey of shame and affliction? The reports of Jesus turned her gaze. The reports of Jesus infused her with hope. Ah, the reports. He does all things well. We are amazed that Jesus even causes the deaf to hear. And those who are unable to speak, he loses their tongue, and then they have the ability to speak. It's Jesus. Jesus draws people to himself through his words of truth and through his works of miracles. He draws people to himself. He intensely searches for the one, for the one. 
So this dear woman was in a divine process where she began to believe the reports about Jesus. She began to be infused with hope. Remember the hopelessness of the traveling to each of the doctors. We're hearing the reports about Jesus from all around. She began to be infused with hope. And not only hope, but an enduring faith. A faith that caused her to begin to take steps. Steps that were unthinkable. Steps that were unpredictable. Steps that were unimaginable. Steps that were unfathomable. She began to walk and enter the crowd. Her enduring faith, her stirred up hope. Now she is walking and she just entered the crowd. She entered this mob of people, this multitude of people with her inward faith to touch Jesus. This woman's faith was a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God. She didn't have to muster up good works to come to Christ. In the core of her faith, she began to believe that through Jesus, there was more to her identity than the 12 years of rejection. With every step closer, being jostled by the crowd, she reached out to firmly grasp Jesus' garment. And she was immediately healed of all her affliction. Jesus is all sufficient within himself. Jesus is all power, all authority, all dominion, all compassion. Jesus is servant God. She entered that crowd. She knew that Jesus intensely searches for the one to touch him by faith. So Jesus was keenly aware that his divine power had exploded from him. Who touched me? Who touched me? So as he looked around, the multitude, the crowd, the mob, he's who touched me. And his disciples are like, Lord, you see this crowd pressing in on you. You see everyone is clamoring for your attention. You see that everyone is pushing one another and jostling one another. And you're asking who touched me? And as usual, Jesus doesn't answer their questions. Who touched me? He's intensely searching for the one who touched him. And he kept searching for the one who touched him by faith, who connected with him by faith, who dared to step out and believe him by faith. Jesus is searching for the one woman that he saw with sovereign eyes and understood the woman who put her faith 
in him for healing. So when Jesus was in the crowd and this woman was coming up behind him, she wasn't supposed to be in the crowd. She was unclean. She wasn't supposed to be in the clouds. She was a rejected woman, an unwelcome woman. Whoever she touched in that crowd when she was reaching for Jesus, they didn't know, nor did she care that they would be, by the Levitical law, unclean as well. So this woman who put her faith in Jesus didn't just touch him like we think of touch. She didn't just brush up against him. When she was going to touch Jesus, she was going through the crowd and she grabbed the hold of his robe by faith. That's what enduring faith will do. Gives you courage and confidence to cling to grab hold of, to not let go as you cry out to the Lord. What intimacy was being revealed in the midst of that pressing crowd? This woman knew that the flow of her blood had ceased. I mean, for 12 years, all she knew was a flow of constantly of a chronic flow. So she realized as soon as she touched his garment that she was completely healed. What intimacy in the midst of that crowd. Jesus knew his divine power had exploded and she knew his divine power had entered her. What intimacy. So she fell down, astounded, She fell down stunned. No more flow of blood. There was a wholeness and a physical healing for her. Yes. He searched for her. He came to her. He listened to her reveal her whole story. Ah, but wait. There is more. This woman was in in need of physical healing. She also was in need of her identity to be healed as well. She was wrapped up in unstoppable bleeding, but chronic shame, rejection, isolation, and being known as unclean. That was her identity that she lived in, and she walked in, and she heard, and she was in such isolation. That means she couldn't be in contact with anyone until she met Jesus. She had a a marred identity until she met Jesus. She had a marred way of, of seeing herself and others seeing her until she met Jesus. And at the end of this passage, Jesus calls her Daughter, no more shame, no more rejection, no more being unwelcome. Jesus called her daughter. He restored her identity, healed her body, responded to her faith. 
That's how Jesus saw her. No matter what other people would say about her, no matter how they saw her, no matter her life had changed because Jesus not only restored her body, Jesus restored her identity. He calls her daughter. That must be a family term, a term of endearment, a term that he sees her totally in a different way. He says to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Jesus is connecting with this woman's faith. Jesus gets excited about faith. Jesus gets excited about uh, the faith from one human being to him, trusting him. Daughter, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And that means it was final. No more blood, no more affliction physically. Be healed of your physical affliction, daughter. Be healed of your interior identity, daughter. He called her daughter. And my friends, you are the one. I am the one. Jesus intensely searches for the one. He cares. He knows. He understands. He welcomes the one. He called her daughter. Her healing was complete. And I just want to testify as well about my own journey of internal healing now. I remember my first conviction from the Holy Spirit years and years ago. My first conviction from the Spirit said, uh, in, my, in, in my heart of hearts, said, Ava, <laughs> you are a people pleaser. You're a pleaser of people. And I just began to weep and cry because somehow in my soul along the way, I knew that that meant without the power of the Spirit, I would love the affirmation of people more than Christ. And that began my inward journey. That began the journey on the inside, not the outside where people see But the inside, the Lord has been at work in me. I think of Galatians 1.10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? So brothers and sisters, God has used the uh, internal life to reveal to me areas of uh, unwholeness and unhealthiness and and ways that that I am not free to worship God or love others. So that internal journey that he continues to reveal in my life, it's a healing, it's a wholeness, it's a freedom that he's at work in me. 
Also areas of, of uh, my, denti- my identity like this woman. Feeling inadequate, insecure, at times inferior, a journey of shame. I used to walk around and there used to be some kind of, of, of cloud, it felt, felt like a cloud over me, a cloud of shame. I'm not as blank or blank as someone else. So this began a journey for the Lord to set me free because the truth sets us free. God desires truth in the innermost being, Psalm 51, 6 says. And as he's been speaking to my heart over the years and unhooking me, from the shackles of shame and from the shackles of what would weigh me down and from the internal shackles of false guilt. He is beginning to set me free to a freedom that we all can rejoice in. John 15, 9 says, As the Father has loved me, Ava, so, so have I loved you. Rest in my love. So it looks a little bit like this. I'm praying and asking the Lord to reveal areas that keep me from worshiping him and to reveal areas inside my life that no one will see to keep me, these areas that keep me from loving people. So I'm asking the Lord to reveal by the power of his spirit What's in me that, I, that I'm stuck? What's in me? What do you see, Lord? What do you see from your point of view? And I'm asking him to help me to understand. And as I'm in the word of God, and by the power of the spirit of God, he shows me an error. Ava, you are in false guilt. That's not from me. Or Ava, don't believe these shame statements that that's within you, that you've heard, that someone has said about you. Believe what I am saying about you. So you replace the lies with the truth. So I would take that area, let's just say that it's feeling so inadequate that I cannot step into uh, an assignment that he wants me to step into. So I would take that and lift it up. Lift it up in a time of prayer. Lord, I commit to you the lies that I've been believing about myself. And then begin to read God's word. That's how the Lord sees us. And read his word, replacing the lies with the truth. The truth is, Ava, nothing can separate you from my love. The truth is, Ava, you have been loved with an everlasting love. The truth is, Ava, I'm, I'm working in your heart to rest. I want to teach you how to rest. I want to work on you to rest in my love. You're the one, my brothers and sisters, 
He's at work in you. Open your heart to him and let him be at work. You're the one. Don't give up in your circumstances. Don't give up because of this last year. Don't give up with the seen, the things that are seen in your life. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Like this woman, in all of her journey, in all of her affliction, and no one understood her, and who would listen to her? Who would come close to her in her journey? She heard the reports about Jesus. And what are our reports? The Word of God. What are our reports? Rubbing shoulders with another godly woman or another godly man who's been anchored in Jesus, who talks to us us about what great things God has done. This woman had enduring hope and enduring faith, and the synagogue official just laid down in front of Jesus, pleading and crying, and we have to do the same thing. Because life seems impossible. The mountains seem unclimbable. But he hears the prayers of the one. He's praying for you. Romans says he's praying for us. He's praying for you and you and me that our faith would not fail. I was asking the Lord recently, Lord, why? What's going on? Why why is all this going on in me? All the stuff. I, I just asked him one day, more than one day, I'm sure. And in my heart, And reading the word of God, he said, Ava, I allow some of these areas in your life so that you would love me more. You would love me more, Ava. More than people, more than affirmation, more than life going well, more than your prayers even being answered the way you want them answered. Ava, I'm allowing some of the suffering and pressure in your life, some of the fire in your life, so that you would turn your gaze from yourself, would turn your gaze from other people, would turn your gaze from everything that you want, would even turn your gaze from all the list that you're expecting God to do in your prayer life, Ava. I'm allowing some of these areas so that you would humbly love me more, Ava, than all of these things so that you can be free to worship and free to love others and free to walk with me as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Oh, some of the areas of of hardness and suffering, I get it. Some of the areas that are not working out as you uh, want it, prayers not even being answered as you would have hoped. Those kind of areas can slowly turn our gaze away from Christ. 
Because in our own mind, in our own heart, we're thinking he doesn't love us. We're thinking he's not paying much attention to me. It works for everyone else. Don't give up. Let us pray for you so that your faith and my faith would not fail. Always remember this woman going through the club crowd. Unclean, unclean, unclean. She paid no attention to that because her goal was this. If I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Now, where did she get that thought from? That was a divine thought. God was already working in her life. That wasn't human. As a woman being in the crowd, as a woman being unclean, as a woman being unloved, oh my, with her enduring faith, she did the unthinkable, unimaginable, unpredictable, unfathomable. She kept going. You keep going, church. Don't give up. God is even in the silence. When your prayers seem to be hitting a wall, hitting the ceiling, don't give up. Don't give in. An enduring faith. And the synagogue official, he didn't care what people thought about him being an official of the synagogue. He came to Jesus as Abba, as Daddy, as Papa. His little girl needed healing. So in the middle of what Pete Scassaro calls the confusing in-between, I just want to encourage you in the middle of your mysteries of why is this going on in my life? Also in the middle of thinking, well, I serve God. I, I love him. I've been with him for so long. Why would he allow this to happen to me? Those are the points where we give up and give in and begin to slowly turn our gaze from Jesus. It happens so subtly. And then at a certain time, we, we don't know we've been moving and moving and moving away. And then we declare, like so many have, ah, I never believed that anyway. Ah, that doesn't work for me. Ah, I'm an agnostic. I'm an atheist. I tried. Don't do that. Our hearts need to continue to be soft and pliable with connection with other godly people who are on the same journey as you and as me. Sometimes we need Mentors who have gone ahead through the fire and through the, the waters who can turn around and, and, and walk with us. So the woman and her enduring faith and the Abba, the father who was falling to the ground, fall to the ground, church. You're the one. 
fall prostrate on your knees and beg for God to renew your faith, restore your joy right now. Oh, Lord, to you be the glory. To you be the honor. Help us, Lord. This is not just a story. This is not just a fable. You, Lord, search for the one. You're searching for us. You're praying for us. You're longing for intimacy with us. Lord, you will work all of that out on our behalf. I pray that my brothers and sisters would come. Would come. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen.